Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. I want to uh, kind of continue my look at God, but instead of doing the names of God, I want to, you know, I looked at some of the names of God and then Sunday, you know, I, I, I glance at my, my notes and my brain completely you know, changes uh, some of the some of the name, names around to mean the wrong things because I was trying to connect El Roy, the God who sees, with Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, and then it came all out all sorts of messed up. But anyway, I was trying to connect uh, the God who provides to the God who sees because the God who sees you is the God who provides. Well, the names of God. Give uh, give you characteristics of God. It tells you who God is. It tells you about His nature. It tells you about His attributes. It tells you how wonderful our God is. But out of all the characteristics and attributes that we could say of God, is there one that stands out? Is there one that is more important? Um, I mean, there's a lot obviously that could be said about God. We could talk about His love. We could talk about His justice. We could talk about his mercy. We could talk about all the different omnis uh, that there are. His omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnibenevolence, and all these other omnis. Omni just means all. So his being everywhere present or all present, being everywhere powerful, being everywhere loving, and, and, and such. Um, you know, uh, is there one that encapsulates them all? Is there one that is his top characteristic? There was a Philadelphia pastor, uh, James Montgomery Boyce, some of you might be familiar with him and his commentaries. Um, he once spoke to a discipleship group on the attributes of God and he began asking them to list some of the qualities of God and rank them by importance. So, most people put love first, followed by wisdom, power, mercy, and truth. But then at the end of the list, they put holiness. And Boyce later wrote, that surprised me, because the Bible refers to God's holiness more than any other attribute. The Bible does not generally refer to God as loving, loving, loving doesn't say that God is wise, wise, wise. doesn't say that God is omniscient, omniscient, omniscient. What do we read in Isaiah, in Revelation? What is it that the angels cry about God and have ever since their creation? They have cried, holy, holy, holy. God is holy. That encapsulates everything else that God is. But what do we mean by holiness? I mean, it is kind of hard to, to, to grasp that subject, maybe, or put it into words. I mean, we know, because we've read it a, a million times in Scripture, that God is holy. What does that mean? I mean, we can look at some of the original languages. The Hebrew word, uh, gadosh, it means apart, or apartness, or sacredness. Uh, the Greek word hagias means righteous, holy, pi uh, pious. We get um, the word is connected to the word saints, the word um, sanctify, sanctification, and things uh, 
like that. But out of all the characteristics that we could say of God, all of them culminate in his holiness. And so if we do not at least understand that and have a little bit of a grasp of God's holiness, we might not be able to fully understand the rest of who he is. So what what is holiness? Well, you know, and how does it connect with the other attributes of God? Well, J.P. Boyce, uh, uh, Boyce, who's different than James Montgomery Boyce, but another theologian, he uh, put it into perspective. He said, holiness is, however, not a distinctive attribute, but rather the combination of all these attributes. We may suppose a being in whom there may be love without justice or truth without any one of these to the exclusion of the other two, but no being can be holy who does not combine in himself all of these and all other moral perfections. Nor, when we have such a combination, is there anything to be added to, added to constitute holy character. It is evident, therefore, that holiness is the sum of all excellencies and the combination of all the attributes which constitute perfection of character. So we might say that holiness is another way of saying that God is perfect in everything that he is and in everything that he does. He is absolutely perfect. He is holy. Another author said, just as all the colors of the spectrum come together to form the pure white light which illuminates our world, so all the attributes of God come together into his holiness. You understand what that theologian is saying? You know, you take a prism and the light hits it and if, you know, it's just sunlight hits it and all of a sudden there's the colors of the rainbow. The red, green, blue, and I don't remember what order they're in. It's been a while since I've been in school. But you know, it, it splits up all those colors, but all those colors are contained in that white light. Well, holiness is like that for God. His love, his justice, his mercy, all his omnis are there together. It is because that God is a God of holiness that he is a God of love. It is because he is a God of holiness that he is a God of justice. It is because he is a God of holiness that he is a God of righteousness. It's because he is a God of holiness that he is a God of wisdom. And on and on it goes. Some of the, you know, whether we consider it a positive characteristic or we think of a characteristic, he is jealous because he is holy. He is jealous for his holiness. And here's the thing. Because he is holy, what does the Bible tell us to do about it? Well, because he is holy, we're called to be holy as well. First Peter, it does quote from uh, the Old Testament. But Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So let's consider this concept of holiness. First, we could take the word from its most basic meaning and most basic concept 
of being set apart or separated. There's a sense of holiness that is unique to God alone. He um, is unique. In In a theological and relational sense, he is unique. He is holy in that he is separated. He is separated from uh, he, he separated from his creation. He is different from his creation. You know, the, um, the Hindus and, and groups like that, you know, they say that everything comes from God and everything makes up God and we're all just little pieces of God. Frankly, if you re- read into Hinduism, Hinduism, their God is schizophrenic and he has multiple personality disorder or whatever that, you know, that's called. It's just, he doesn't know what he is, and so he just creates all these avatars. You know, you hear that that term now, especially with the movies coming back out again. Um, you know, we're just little representations of God here, there, and, and everywhere else. Well, no, that's not, that's not how it works. So, you know, from that perspective, creation is a part of God. But the biblical concept is that God is separate from his creation. There is no one like him. There is no one even close to him. There is nothing like him. No one above him. No one beside him. Right? That's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God beside me. You shall have no other God anywhere near my level. God is saying. Because I'm God and nobody else is. No one one comes close. Everything else is, is created. Uh, Moses cried out, Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You know, the expected answer is, well, no one. There is no one like you. There is no one like him. First Samuel two two. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. So there's nothing that exists that is is like God. I think it was Paul Washer that I heard say, he he asked a trick question. He he asked the question, which is more like God, an archangel or a worm? The answer being, neither of them. There is no one that comes anywhere close to being like God. No one exists that is like God. There's nothing that he can be compared to. That's why, again... One of the top ten commandments, you shall not make an image to try and represent God because there is absolutely nothing that can represent God. To try and represent God with with something from a shape from this earth, I mean, that just drags him down big time. That is an insult to God because there's nothing in creation that is like him. So God is holy in the sense that he is completely separate and different from anything and everything else that exists. He he has his own existence, and there's no one like that. But second, there's the moral sense of holiness in that he is completely separate from sin and uh, evil. I mean, he is pure. He is morally upright because he himself is the... For any carpenters in here, the plumb line, he's the plumb line, he's the, the level by which all goodness and righteousness is measured. 
You know, it's easy for us humans to measure ourselves against other humans and think, you know what? I'm all right. But then now take, you, take your life and take yourself and measure it against God. Yeah, not so good. Because God is completely separated from sin and evil. Uh, Thomas Oden wrote this. He said, holiness implies that every excellence fitting to the supreme being is found in God without blemish or limit. It also implies that all other divine excellencies, goodness, justice, mercy, truth, and grace are unified and made mutually harmonious in infinite degree in God. So everything that makes God God is part of his holiness. Holiness makes him God. Holiness makes him a good God, a very good God. It defines him as best as we can with mere, mere human words. I mean, mere human words trying to define, define the, the uh, eternal. That is near impossible, but you can, you, if you want to give it a summary, sum it up with the word holiness. William Shedd explained this way. He said, holiness in God must consequently be defined as conformity to his perfect nature. I mean, he's perfect in nature because he is perfect in nature. He is holy because God is holy in nature. He is perfect. Charles Hodge, the Princeton theologian, he said, holiness on the one hand implies entire freedom from moral evil and upon the other, absolute moral perfection. Um, if you think about holiness in the absolute moral sense, you find that holiness only belongs to God because he's the only being who can, can be untouched by evil. Angels can be touched by evil, hence Satan and his demons. And obviously humans can be touched by evil. I mean, it just took Adam and Eve and we all fell. But God is holy. You know, the Bible throughout declares God's holiness. Psalm 99.9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. You know, we, we're called to praise him because he is holy and he's the only one that is holy. He is the only morally perfect being that there is. The Bible throughout says that his name is holy. And again, like I've talked about the past few weeks, his name represents his character, his attributes. Psalm 106, 47 says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. The Bible even indicates that wherever God decides to reveal himself in a special way, in a special revelation, that becomes a holy area, holy ground. We talk about holy ground. We think of Moses. We think of what happened at the burning bush. Exodus 3.5. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground and on and on it goes the bible centralizes itself upon christ 
But for the attributes of God, it centralizes itself <laughs> upon God's holiness. And so if we can call that his central characteristic, we find in Scripture we are called to be the same. Hebrews 12, 14. The writer of Hebrews, whoever it might be, said, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Did you hear that? Strive for the holiness. Without that holiness, we will not see the Lord. But wait a minute. We sin. We rebel. There is no holiness in us. We can't work our way up to holiness. And yet we're told we will not see God without that holiness. Well, that, that's kind of bad news. I mean, I don't have that holiness that is required to see God. So what do we do? Nothing. We can't do a thing. That's why God had to do what he had to do. At least what he did. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. That is why we need Christ, because Christ, who is God, he came and he lived the perfect holy life that we couldn't live, and he died, and he rose again, and for those who believe in him, we are gifted his holiness. Now talk about a trade. He took our sin, right? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Died on the cross. He took our sin and now he gives us his holiness. He gives us his holiness and the standing that we have before God. And that even though, even though God looks at me and God looks at my life and every day he sees all the evil, wicked thoughts that I have and all the evil, wicked things that I do. And yet because I'm in Christ, he looks at me and he sees holy. Not because of me, but because of Christ. But here's the thing. What did, God, what did Jesus say that the Father and the Son would give us? Who did he say he would send? He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit dwells in these, these earthen vessels within us. And he does a work of holiness in our lives in that he moves us toward a practical holiness. So we have a holy standing before God, and then God, through the Holy Spirit, he works a practical holiness within us. He makes us more holy as we go along. Now, me personally, I don't have any patience. I would just like it if God would say, here's, here's the Holy Spirit, snap his fingers, boom, I'm like super holy man, and I don't ever have to deal with sin, and I never stumble, and I just am pious, and oh, whatever other words you want to use. I would love that, but that's not how it works. That's the process of sanctification, being made more holy as time goes on. Now, I am definitely not perfect. My wife's here. She can, I, I could say I am, but she knows different. And my daughter's here too. She knows different too. I am not perfect, but I'll tell you what, I am a whole lot different than I was 10 years ago. 
and I'm a whole lot different than I was 20 years ago. And a whole, whole lot different than I was 25 years ago before I was saved. Here's the thing. Because God is holy, we're called to that holiness. And that's something we ought to desire. Because we may think we're happy in our sin, but we're not. We're miserable. We might think that our sin makes us feel better. And, and you know, just with the stresses of the world, it's like, yeah, it, it is just a, maybe a whole lot easier to give in to sin. But all we're doing, it's like a vicious cycle. You know, I give in to sin, and then I'm guilty about it, and then I feel shame, and then I don't like feeling that guilt and shame, so what do I do? Instead of running to God, I go deeper into sin, and which makes me feel more guilty and more shameful, and on and on, on and on it goes, this process, this circle. And there's a better way. The way of holiness. The way of holiness, we find joy, because we're more like Christ. The way of holiness, we find hope. We're reminded of the hope that we have in Him. The way of holiness is the way of finding peace. Not going to be perfect in this age. Not going to be perfect in this world. But I'll tell you what, we're going. The more we allow God to work through us by His Spirit, through His Word, trust me, the happier we will be. And so, you know, that's, that's holiness. Um, what does that look like? 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. We're getting rid of the defilements. We're getting rid of these things. So, you know, let's, let's not just... Pay lip service to holiness. Let's do it. D.L. Moody said, A holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. And let our holy lives uh, shine like that. So let's pray that our lives will be a reflection of the holiness of God that will attract the lost to Him, that will be an encouragement to other Christians, that they would too would live holy lives like that. But let's leave this world to find that Savior through whom they too can be holy. And uh, that's where we'll find our peace. But you know what? It won't be until we, we go to heaven when we will be holy as intended. But until then, let's cooperate with the Spirit through the Word and pray that God would do that work in us. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.